you all, really. It's, uh, it's worth that right there. That was plenty for me right there. Thank you, guys. And, and uh, it, it has been a work. I have to, most importantly, thank my wife, Allie, because she has been a support system. Thank you very much. Thank you for the long hours and being patient, putting the kids down to bed, all those, all those nights without me, putting the lotion on their bodies, putting their diapers on, Nene's, you know, clothes, and putting them to bed, and, and so thank you so much, and, and thank all of you. What, what Shana was just giving me is that we're going to take a sabbatical, uh, Allie and I are, and sit with the kids, and we're just going to get away and, and come back together as a family and just love on each other and just set everything aside, hear from the Lord, and get vision for the 2021, and so you guys have, are providing that. The church is providing that opportunity for us. And so I want to thank all of you. Thank all the GO Team members because all those GO Team members you saw coming in here, that's what makes this weekend services and last night, services like last night, the worship was lit. This place was on fire last night. I, it, it literally, I'm telling you, that it was smoldering. It was so hot in here. It's just amazing night of worship. So uh, we have another night of worship coming up October 31st, and we're, it's a spiritual warfare night, you know, it's Halloween, so we're going to be bringing down, we're going to be bringing down the heavens and spiritual blessings in this place, and it is going to be lit on fire again. I want to invite all of you to be here, uh, it, it's going to be something. So I, it was just amazing last night, so thank you all of you for being here, choosing to be here on Sunday morning, this Sunday morning. Uh, I hope that God speaks to you. I, my, my hope is that He speaks to you about something that changes your life, even if it's little by little. I want to encourage, always encourage uh, everyone that as you go to a church or a new place and asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is this, is this where you want me to be rooted for a while? Is this the season that you have me in? Lord, and I don't want to, I would always go, I can make friends. And so I would always go to a place and say, you know what, I want to meet the Holy Spirit there because if He's not meeting me there, then it's not the place for me. However, I can make friends after that. But if the Holy Spirit, can, if He's challenged me, if He's challenging me, if He's changing me, then that's a place I need to be at. That's a place I need to invest in. That's a place that I need to call home for however long He has me there. And so that's what we're here to do is to build you guys up, to strengthen you. And speaking of which, last night we had some prophetic art going on. You may not know what that is, but it's literally just hearing from the Lord and bringing it into an artistic talent, whatever your artistic ability is. So... Uh, we're going to train, actually Floyd Gwynn is going to train, he's the one that was doing that last night, on September 25th from 6 to 9, he's going to be training. I'm going to talk about hearing the Lord, how to hear God, and then he's going to take that and show you how to take what you're hearing from the Lord and put it, put it into some kind of artistic ability, artistic talent, whether it's painting, drawing, clay making, uh, building, whatever the case may be. I'm a, I love building, I love building things but also love to hear from the Lord and then begin to build the things that He's putting on my heart. And, it, and you're in it. You're in one of those things. So I, You're in one of those things that were creative, prophetic art. It was a vision that He gave me three years ago, and it started to come into fruition a year ago. And uh, I just want to say, Shauna, I saved the church $143,000. That's how much I saved the church right there. Uh, so uh, wherever you are, where there you are right there. I know how much I saved the church. All right, well, and I also want to tell you on Uversion app, but you can download all of our notes on the Uversion app. You can also go and see all of our announcements, things that we are doing that, uh, coming up in that week. You want to go in and you want to click on the more section. It's in the bottom right corner of your app. Go into events. That will pop up in the top left. And then click on Thrive Community Church. That's where you're at. That's here. And then go into the top right and save. And so that won't make sense until you start going into your app. Uh, go save those notes so that you can, throughout the week, come back to messages like this and say, okay, well, I need to get some, I need to dive into that a little bit more. I didn't get it all. And so we are going into a new series called You Are Here. And you've probably seen the sign before. It's this sign that looks like this, and maybe you walked into a mall or you walked into Six Flags or something like that, and you immediately went to the sign and you thought, okay, I'm going to associate myself. It's not that you needed to know where you are. You know you're right here. But what you needed to know is associate yourself so that you know where you're going, how to get to where you want to go, how to get to the, uh, what is it, Titan, how to get to the uh, different rides, how to get to Buckle whenever you're in the mall, how to get to JCPenney's, does that even exist anymore? I don't even know, maybe they're out. But how to get to wherever it is, that's where you needed to know where you're at so you could get to where you're going. And so that's what we're talking about these next three weeks. Now, uh, um, we're talking about four soils, we're talking about a parable in, in Mark 4, but 
I want to show you this spiritual growth continuum that was taken from 525 churches, 180,000 churchgoers took took an exam, if you will, and this is what they came up with, that people people in the church are actually in four groups. Very interesting how it, it came down to this, and there's parables that Jesus talks about that look just like this. And so they came into four groups. These, this group right here, group one, I believe in God, but I'm not sure, so sure about Jesus. My faith is not sign, a significant part of my life. That's, now, that's group one. There's a lot of these people in the church. However, they haven't come to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They're here. They're trying to figure this thing out, trying to figure out what it means. It, it, they're in fellowship. They're desiring fellowship. And in other words, there's another word for this that actually came with the exam, is they're exploring God. This group is exploring God. But then there's a group that as they make it through the cross and they've accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they come into group two. This is another population. This is actually the largest population in the church or the largest population of believers in the church. This is, I believe in Jesus and I'm working on what it means to get to know Him. These are desiring relationship. They want to know what it means to be in relationship in unity with God. Now, uh, they found, this group found found their way to group two by discovering God's grace. Because it's all by grace that we're saved. You can't work it. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. I don't either. It was by grace. Then you moved into group two. Now, group two realized, you know what? It's all about God's Word and it's understanding God's Word that I have relationship and being in God's Word. And these are the ones that moved to group three, discipleship. I feel really close to Jesus and depend on Him daily for guidance. That's group three. Not as many in the church at group three, believe it or not. Somewhere along the way, disciples stopped getting made and people were left right here and some are actually right here thinking they're right here. I'm going to show you this today. Group four though, my relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship in my life. It guides everything I do. These guys are in walking in lordship. Doesn't mean they always stay there. At any point, they can get very, very arrogant, very, very prideful, and they can begin to fall back, what we call backsliding, right? Fall back. But what they've discovered that I'm giving everything away. I'm giving my whole life, not just money, but my time, talents, and treasures. It all came from Jesus, and it's all for Jesus, and I'm going to give it back all to the purposes of Jesus. They walk in in lordship. Now I'm going to talk about these two today because I don't want to leave you here. If you're here, I want to help you to get over here. But I also want to challenge you here to say don't be complacent right here because there's way more in this group than what you may have settled for because we've got to get to the place where we're making disciples again. All right? It sounds like you're on the right page. But this people right here are exploring God. These people believe in God. This group right here are close to God and these people are just God-centered. It's all about God. I don't, I don't have any... His word, is, his word is the final authority in my life and I don't like it, but His Word says it, that's what I'm going to do. That's Lordship right there. That means I'm not the Lord. I'm not going to choose something that's outside of what God's Word says. I know where the blessings flow and so I'm going to get in alignment with the Lord. That's called Lordship, okay? So we're going to move into Mark 4. 1 and 10, if you have your Bibles or if you have the notes or you can read, watch right here. So uh, I thought this in the beginning when I first used to read this, I thought it talked about four people. There's a a parable of four soils and I thought, well, this talks about four people. But then one day I was preparing for a small group and I realized, wait a minute, this is not talking about four people. This is talking about one person in different areas of their journey, different, different seasons of their journey. And so as I read this and we talk about this over the next three weeks, I want you to see where am I at in this journey? Where's my journey? What season am I in on these four soils right here? I thought, well, hey, you know what? It's three, it's three bad people and one good. No, it's one person who's going along a journey and at some point, if they don't decide what the Word of God really means to them, they begin to fall back but we can get it going forward again really easily by the grace of God. So look at this, the parable of the sower. And again he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole, they're talking about Jesus, by the way, and the whole multitude was on the, on the land facing the sea. 
Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. Here's where the parables start. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on the stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. Wasn't rooted. But when the sun was up, it was, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and it choked it. It yielded no crop. But the other seed fell on the good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirty, some sixty, and some one hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now he's speaking in a parabolic language. Okay? And here's how we know this. In the next verse, sorry, immediately after that in Mark 4.13. Let me go to Mark 10 first. Sorry. It says, but when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. I'm like, what are you talking about? In verse 13, he says, do you not understand this parable? He says, how then will you understand all of the parables? There's, a, there's very key things in Mark 4 that Jesus wants us to get because there's more parables that he's trying to open our eyes to so that we can see. He says this, the sower sows the word. That's, that was the seed, the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately. Wait a minute, he didn't call him Satan earlier. But Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These, likewise, are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches and the desires of, for other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirty, some sixty, and some hundred. These are the important for us to know, Jesus said, because this, do you, he says, do you not understand this parable? How else will you understand? How will you understand all the other parables? It's very important that we get this symbolic language that he made clear in the last seven verses based on the first ten verses. Okay, we're going somewhere. Because you need to know what a parable is. A parable in, in Greek, he actually spoke in Aramaic, comes from two words, parabole. Para, bole. Para means alongside. It means alongside. And bole means to throw. So, parable means a story to throw alongside a truth. So there's a truth that we're trying to get, that Jesus is trying to get us to understand. So he throws a story alongside it so it'll make sense for you. You can connect with it. People love stories. They can connect with stories. It causes us to re remember things. But there's a truth inside of the story, inside of the parable that Jesus wants us to get. Now, there's another word that you may or may not know. You know the English word of it. It comes from para, and it's kletos. You may have heard it, parakletos, but it's para, kletos. Para meaning alongside. Kletos means to walk. Parakletos, that's the Holy Spirit. That's one of the names for the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit want to do? He desires to walk alongside us. This is important for us to know if we're going to grow in the Word because you need to know that as you open up your Word, the Holy Spirit wants to walk alongside you and give you revelation and insight to things so that He can begin to disciple you unto Lordship. Alright, so here we're going, to, we're going to get into this a little bit more. Matthew 13, 19, which is Matthew's version of this same story, says, When anyone hears the Word of the Kingdom and does not understand it, this is still Jesus speaking, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. This is why we need to read, study, and walk alongside, allow the Holy Spirit to walk alongside and live in unity with the Holy Spirit and other God-fearing individuals. Right here. What I'm about to show you. 
Because the seed that is thrown along the wayside, the enemy comes and snatches it out right after, the, right after that individual hears the word. This is why we have our Thrive Tribe. This is why we want to get people into small groups. This is why in two weeks we're going to launch our small groups and we're inviting you guys to get in groups with other God, God-fearing, disciple-making people who desire to grow in unity, to grow in discipleship, to grow in relationship, and to grow in lordship so you can have people to rub elbows with and rub shoulders with. You can go to livewithpurpose.church. You'll be able to log in online and, and sign up online and register sometime later in this week. We also have an app that we're going to show you next weekend so that you can go directly to your small group, figure out which one you want to go to, and begin to join that right there. Because look at Luke 8, 12. It says, those by the wayside, remember, we are talking about the seed by the wayside. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. That's Jesus right there saying that you can receive the word, it could be in your heart, and then Satan comes and rips it out of your heart, lest you believe and be saved. Now, Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth at the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart, and believe in your heart, many confess with their mouth. But when it comes to that believing in the heart, believe in this, in this context means to fully entrust oneself. You go to look up the Greek word, means to fully entrust yourself to the Word, to fully entrust yourself to Jesus. It's easy to confess with your, confess with your mouth. And when it comes to believing in the heart, that's when all of hell starts to come after you and try to rip out the good word that you have heard before you can truly believe and let that word become a root in your life and you truly make that jump of grace, understanding grace across the, across the cross and into relationship. And that's why much of the church is actually in the exploring God phase because they got really excited. If I confess Jesus... But when it comes to believing this thing and walking this thing out in relationship and unity with Parakletos, Satan comes and steals the word and brings some kind of issue, tribulation, or persecution. You're like, I don't know if this thing's going to work at all. And so life doesn't change. Let's look at it. They're not my words, the four soils. Look at this right here. Right here. Fellowship. I confess with my mouth all day long. But I gotta believe in the heart, my heart, that Jesus went to this place for me and died, and every truth that he owns and that he says is now my life and my word, my living, everything I live by, so that I can grow here and move on to here. But unfortunately, in the midst of this jump, Satan, Jesus says, the word got in your heart, but before you could truly believe into this group, Satan, no, you don't grabbed you by your underwear and pulled you back down to the ground. Just like that. But let's understand fellowship. Let's get into this. I'm going to breeze through this really fast because we got to, I'm going to saturate this, but I'm going to move on. I want to make sure that you bridge that gap. I want to, you make it across the cross. That you make it over. That today, you quit confessing with your mouth only and you start believing in your heart so that you can move on to the next direction. This Bible Belt, Think because mommy and daddy were, were saved. Mommy and daddy grew up, you grew up in church, you think you're saved. But you've got to believe in your heart and it's got to bear the fruit of repentance. That's the Word of God. That's Jesus' Word. Let's not water it down. Time to make change. Number one, it's not based on works. You can't do enough. You can't give enough. You can't serve enough. Because if it's not in your heart, it's going to spoil anyway. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse 9, not of works, lest anyone should boast. John 6, 28 and 29 says, Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Humanity just has to, has to work it out somehow. And then Jesus flips it right here and says, This is the work of God that you believe. Before Satan can rip that word out of your heart, all the confessing that you're doing and the jumping around and hollering for joy, yes, you're excited because it's a good word and you know you should live by it, but before, before you start to believe, Satan and his cohorts start to come after you. And that's where the problems start, and so you have to choose to believe in Him 
whom He sent. The belief in Jesus in your heart is what Satan is after. If Satan can get that, he's got you. If Satan can get that, he's got your family. If Satan can get that, he's got your kids. If Satan can get that, he's got your business. Life is a summation of what you believe. It all, it's all right here. And it all changes this right here. Number two, it's a free gift. Salvation is a free gift. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Number three, it's easy to receive. It's not hard. Jesus puts the cookies on the bottom shelf and He says, hey, come and get them. They're hot and fresh. Just come grab one. Believe in it. They're good. Then it's Romans 10.9, again, I quoted this earlier, says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Don't let, Jesus, don't let Satan come and steal it right here. You've got to do this and this and continue to live it out. As if you believe that. Romans 10.13 And so many people want to steal this verse without putting it in the context of the previous verse. You can't do that. You've got to put, you've got to put a verse in the context of its whole message, its whole story. It says this right here, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Many want that one, but they don't want to believe. Oh, I confess Jesus. Well, would you believe it in your heart and it shows fruit of repentance and fruit of action? It's easy to do this one. You can't take this one out of the context of 10.9. So this only can prove 10.9 and it has to support 10.9. Can I open this up a little bit? Can I, can I just... Now you got saved right now. I hope, I hope that challenged some of you. Just You know what? I, I need to give my life over to Jesus for real. If not, at the end of this, you can. But I'm going to show you why it's so important. I'm going to show you some things that you haven't seen. I'm going to show you some things that you wonder... Why do I even read the Bible anyway? I don't understand it. I'm going to show you. And Jesus said, it's because you don't understand the way he speaks. Because Paracletos is not walking alongside you. And I want to invite you to take a journey with Paracletos. I'm going to show you how. I'm not going to leave you out there and just talk about it, but I'm going to show you how. By the way, let's look at these four, so four soils. I'm talking about keeping the word and growing in relationship. These four soils, I'm going to help you move from here to here. We're going to talk about this right here, but we're going to start to grow. We're going to talk about God's Word. I want to show you some things in God's Word that He began to show me when I began to just sit down with Paracletos and spend some time with the Holy Spirit and allow Him to illuminate His Word in my life so that He could make the changes beyond what my own power, my own pride, and my own control could do. Because at some point, when you start breaking up against His Word, it's because you're trying to do it on your own, and it's not by works. It's by surrender. Look at this. Uh, I'm going to actually give you, a, uh, give you something right here. Uh, he's trying to, here's what Satan's trying to do. He's trying to steal the Word. He's trying to persecute you for the Word because it's when persecution, this is what Jesus said, when persecution comes in because of the Word, Satan comes and steals the Word. Here, he's trying to choke the Word out of you. And right here, this is where you begin to give and begin to live and begin to thrive, and this is where you begin to bear good fruit. But you have to accept the Word. You have to accept the Word in every area. And let me give you a, a verse that actually supports this grace, God's Word, and giving. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you any truth. I always let the Bible translate the Bible. I'm not going to give you Nathan's interpretation. I'm going to show you what the Bible says about the Bible. God can, God can decide what He wants to say. Grace right here. Revelations 12:11. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb. That's grace. And by the word of their testimony, your testimony is not your testimony, that's God's testimony, by the way. That's God's word. And they did not love their lives to the death. They didn't love their, their lives so much that they wouldn't give up their time, talents, and treasures and give it a whole self away for the sake of the kingdom of God. Right there. You see the four jumps, the four movements to go from fellowship to relationship to discipleship unto lordship. They didn't love it. But look at this. Look at this group. Mark 4, 16 and 17 says, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Hallelujah. I, got, I heard a great word in church today. I jumped up out of the pew and I, I shook my hand and said, Yes, Lord. And then I walked out of the house. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time afterward when the tribulation or persecution arises for the Word's sake, immediately they stumble all over themselves. They went from jumping to stumbling. 
What is Satan's plan? Let me show you this in Mark 4.4. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. When the disciples didn't understand and they asked, what does this mean? Remember, he said, if you don't understand this, how are you going to understand all of it? And this is what he said about the, in Mark 4.15. 4, Mark 4, he says, and these are the ones by the wayside. Now he's translating Mark 4.4. 4, these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Remember, before I told you how to make the leap through the cross, to the cross, the cross, I revealed that Jesus said that Satan can steal the word out of our hearts. Before I finish, I'm going to show you how you can keep the word in your heart. But the, the point here is, though, that Satan is trying to steal the word from our hearts. And in this parable, Jesus uses, he explains it, and he uses birds of the air. I'm going to show you a, par a parabolic language. And this is why relationship with the Holy Spirit is so important. Spending time with Him will illuminate the Word. It will de develop your understanding, your discipleship, and your relationship with God. This is a parabolic and symbolic language that you're going to find as you dive into His Word all throughout Scripture. After getting saved, God began to show me these little things all through the context of His Word and you can find the understanding. Paul writes about this in Colossians 2.17. These things are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Jesus. Everything I want to tell you is all about Jesus. The whole story from Genesis to Revelation is about Jesus, and it's about reconciling you back to Jesus and the world back to the Father. Isn't that good? All of Scripture is true, but it carries a parabolic language within it. Now, did Jesus speak in parables? Just going to get some foundation here. Now, Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. John 5. Y'all remember that? Any of you? When did Jesus see the Father speak in parables? Look at Psalm 78 and 2. In the Old Testament, Jesus was still there in the Old Testament. I will open my mouth in a parable. Let me, let me start with an easy one. Ezekiel 30 and 21 says this, Son of man, I have broken the arm of Pharaoh king of Egypt. Now this is God speaking. But never ever in story in the story of Egypt and God's children do we see that God broke the arm of Pharaoh. What he's talking about is a symbolic arm. He's saying, I broke the power of Pharaoh. Do you see that? He's starting to show you a parabolic language that's in the word. I'm telling you, this is why you need to be in the word. So that so that Satan doesn't come and steal it out of your heart and you can walk this thing out with with joy. Always, you can walk this thing out with paraclete, with the Holy Spirit. You need to be in the Word so He can illuminate it to you. Don't just come in here and get fed by Pastor Nathan. Download those notes on version and go eat. Okay? So He's telling us that he's, I've got a parabolic language and I'm showing you. Now in Mark 4, Jesus said, the birds of the air come. The disciples asked, who are they? Jesus said, the birds of the air are Satan. They're Satan. And when the Bible speaks of Satan, it doesn't only speak of Satan directly, he speaks of the, Satan's work. He speaks of the demonic forces. Satan can't be omnipresent. So when you say the, the devil made me do it, no, he didn't. There's seven billion people in this world. There's no way Satan can be over there with you, and then over in India, and then over in China, and then over in Hong Kong, then he can be over. No. But his cohorts can. The, the work of Satan can be everywhere. That's what you do know that the word says that when, when Satan fell, a third of the angels fell from heaven. That's his spiritual authorities, the, the, the demonic hordes on earth. You need to know that. Revelations 18.2, look at this. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Wait a minute. What did he, you think he's talking about birds? No, I don't think so. God is showing you there's more into this story than what you first saw. This is not talking about parakeets and doves. I do, I do think, though, that, that some parakeets, some birds can be demonized. He's talking about literal demons. 
But at a place that we stay at in Honduras when we do missions work, every time we try to start our devotions, am I lying? That little parakeet starts squalling at the top of his lungs and we can't get anything done. There is no devotion time going right there by that poolside. Every time we start to talk about Jesus, squalling, squalling. So I know, I know, but not every bird that's flying through the air is a demon. That's so he's, but he is talking about literal demons, alright? So God speaks though, Look in Deuteronomy of blessings and cursings. If you do it my way, if you obey, then these blessings are going to come upon you and the generations after you. But if you disobey and you do it your way, you will attract curses towards you. This is there's a long two chapters worth in Deuteronomy. But in Deuteronomy 28:26, he says, "Your carcasses shall be food for the birds of the air, and the and the beasts of the earth, and no one shall frighten them away." Now remember. In Mark 4, Jesus talks about the birds of the air and He tells us who they are. That's Satan. Birds and beasts are mentioned 44 times in the Old Testament. They're mentioned 44 times together in the Old Testament. Let me show you a different verse that you're okay with accepting the parabolic language here. And I don't know any theologian that would actually disagree with this. But how do we know that when the Bible talks about sheep, He's talking about people. We accept that one. Psalms 103 says this, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep, parabolic language, of His pasture. John 10 tells us that He is the Good Shepherd. uh, Corinthians tells us that we, as pastors, we are under shepherds and we shepherd with Jesus. All throughout Scripture, He's showing you there's a parabolic, there's a symbolic language in the background if you'll just pay attention and look. These are parabolic words for a language He speaks and He desires for us to grow in Him. Why doesn't, why doesn't He speak directly and clearly? Well, you've seen all those who drift away. You wouldn't understand it anyway. That's why we need parakletos to walk alongside us as we open the Word so that we can understand what His Word is saying. Proverbs 25.2 says this, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. Scripture also says that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that you are kings and priests. It's the glory of you to search out the matters in the Word that God has hidden inside. Am I opening anybody's eyes today? Okay, here's what happens when shepherds don't feed the sheep though. Ezekiel 34.5 says, So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. Who are the beasts of the field? We can accept sheep or people and shepherds are, are, are Jesus and pastors But we struggle to understand that the beasts of the field are not lions and tigers and wild bears. They're spiritual forces, they're spiritual beasts and spiritual birds that want to come after you and they want to steal the Word out of your heart before you can believe. Genesis 3.1, look at this one. Now the serpent, who's the serpent? Where do you get that? You accept a parabolic language. You've been taught this one, so you're okay with this one. Let me show you where we get that because it needs to have a chapter, a book, and a verse connected to it. Revelations 12.9 So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now you accept that parabolic language right there. But let's continue in Genesis 3.1, shall we? Now the serpent of old, the serpent was more cunning than any. Could it be that God is saying that the Satan, that Satan is more cunning than any of the demons that were in the field? The word of God is way more exciting that you settled than you settled for it to be. It has way more inside of it. It is living and active. It has way more truth and way more understanding for you to move from fellowship into relationship, relationship into discipleship, into discipleship into full out lordship. There's way more in the Word than than you probably have ever been shown. 
But now, you're starting to get some insight, and Paracletos may be turning some light bulbs on inside, and there's some aha going on. So we assign spiritual meaning to serpent and accept it, but could there be other spiritual meanings in this same statement? Is it possible that in a spiritual language, Satan was more cunning than any of these fallen angels? I want to encourage you. My college professor actually told me this. He says, before you go into the Word, pray Psalms 119, 18. He says, Lord, open my eyes that I may see the truth in your law or your Word. Illuminate it so I may see, see new things. He said, set aside every presupposition that you've ever been told, every doctrine that you've ever been given, everything that's been put inside of you so that the Holy Spirit can give you a fresh Word for that day, for that moment, and a new revelation to empower you and strengthen you. Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. You remember this. And the angels were with Him. Is it possible there were fallen angels too? Mark 1, 12 and 13 says, Immediately the Spirit drove Him into the wilderness. We're good with that, right? 13, And He was, he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to Him. Now do you think that that means He was with the wild lions and tigers and wild bears and He had to go from tree to tree to escape from these wild beasts? Or could it mean that Satan and his demonic forces were with Him in the wilderness tempting Him, but He withstood and Jesus' angels, the angels of God, ministered to Him? If they come after Jesus, and Jesus died for you and I so that we could fulfill His purposes on earth, you better believe that those same demonic forces are going to come after you and me and our families too. Because they want to steal the Word out of our hearts before we can truly believe and submit our lives to Christ so that we won't fulfill His purposes on earth. And I'm telling you, these are Jesus' words. Jesus is the one that said these things. Isaiah 4.1 says, in, And in that day seven women shall take hold of one man. Well, that sounds interesting. Saying, we will eat our own food and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by your name to take away our approach. Now, doesn't that just bless you? Aren't you glad? Pastor Nathan, that, that is so much revelation in there. So good. That's one of those verses where you read it late at night and you go to bed because you, want, you fall asleep wondering, what did I just read? Now, does that make any sense whatsoever? Seven women are going to take one man. And your imagination just runs wild. And you've got to know that, that women are way smarter than that. They will never, never do something like that. But men, you've got a different idea. Let me tell you what it could mean because in Scripture, throughout Scripture, when you see women, it actually means church. So there's seven churches that are going to take care of one man, take hold of one man. There's one man that Scripture talks about and that's the, the second Adam, that's Jesus. There's seven churches that are going to take, care, take a hold of Jesus, and they're going to say, hey, we're going to, we're going to teach our own doctrine. We're going to be clothed in our righteousness. Apparel. Jesus clothes us, clothes us in His righteousness. We're going to teach our way, our theology, our doctrine, the things that we're okay with. We're going to clothe ourselves. We're going to be proud and haughty and in our own righteousness, not yours. But hey, you know what, Jesus? We want to be called by Your name. Will You take away our reproach? That sound like some churches you've been to before? Maybe some denominations that said, hey, we're not going to worry about the Word. We're going to teach our doctrine. Make sure you get our doctrine inside of you. Yeah, I know it does. And Isaiah was talking about it. It's going to happen. When the church stops following me, and they start living out their own doctrine, he says, I'll cut off their revelation. Watch this. In Leviticus 20, 26, 26. When I have cut off your supply of bread, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven, and they shall bring back your bread by weight and you shall eat and not be satisfied. He says, when the church stops following me, I'm going to cut off your revelation. What is the bread? Who is the bread? Y'all get it. 
you're starting to see some parabolic, symbolic language opening up, and wow, some illumination, parakletos is in the building. Hallelujah. I'm going to cut off your revelation, and there's going to be some churches. They're going to take, and they're going to cook down and bake down the Word, and they're going to beat it down into something small, and they're just going to send out your little Sunday school lessons and your bulletin, and they're going to give you three verses, and you're going to open it up and say, is that all I get this week? You're going to eat and not be satisfied because they dumbed it down according to their own doctrine. I'm trying to wonder, I'm trying to figure out why people are still exploring God is because the church hadn't given them the meat to take them into relationship and out of fellowship so that they can truly be saved and we're giving them something that has no sustenance to it. And it's dumbed down and it's keeping people from thriving and walking in the fullness of who God has created us to be. And when we walk out full of joy, Satan comes and steals it out of their hearts and they walk away thinking, I'm saved, I'm good, everything's great, but I still have the same old problems all the time and I have no power and authority to move beyond it. What's the deal? And I can't even understand the Word. It's because Parakletos is not with you. Because Satan came and stole the Word. But he wants to walk this thing out with you and it takes some belief and belief in His Word and belief in his, the truth of His Word and getting hungry for His Word and allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate His Word so that you can see it and own it, possess it, and walk it out in discipleship and all-out lordship. What's Satan's plan, though? is to keep you out of the Bible. Number two, what's God's plan? Mark 4.20 says this, But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the Word accept it, and bear fruit. God desires that, His desire is that you bear fruit. Your families thrive. You have a healthy and strong marriage. Your kids are successful. You prosper in all you do. You grow in relationship with one another. You show thanks to, for, to Him for all the things that He's allowed you to have in this time. You grow in relationship with Him. This is God's desire, but Satan is coming against you to steal the Word and the truth out so that you can't do any of these things. How can God's Word be for me to prosper and yet I can't find any way to have any strength or power to be prosperous? Maybe it comes to what I believe because the summation of life is what I believe. Look at this again, the four soils. Talk about... This is like daycare. Right here, I'm in daycare. <laughs> Just feed me. I'm going to try to color inside the lines. You know, I need to, I need to, I need to make sure I'm taking care of things uh, inside the lines. I'm learning some words here. I'm starting to get into the elementary. Right here, just teach me inside of class. This is, this is, I'm just, I, I just need to be spoon fed in church. Give me, give me, give me something. I need to, can you, can you teach me? Teach me. Right here, we start to get into discipleship. What I'm learning in church, what I'm learning in class is no longer enough. I, got, I need some homework. I need to start investing in my own self and homework right here. And when I get here, I just live it. I just all out surrender, and that's where I begin to live. This is high school right here, and this is college. The college professor, they could care less if you show up. They're going to get paid either way. It's on you. You know that, that on us? It's on us? It's on us. And you grow. You should be growing. Where are you? Where are you? Here's, here's the point. Look, this, this is why we have our, our next steps graphic. It's uh, probably the next step today at 1230. We're trying to get you plugged in. We're trying to get you growing. We're trying to move you beyond the fellowship into the relationship, into the discipleship. But you're going to have to take the next steps. This is where we, we teach you all about who we are, where we're going, what's happening, how, and then le learning and discovering about you and your giftings, your talents, your abilities, so that you can deploy them for the kingdom of God. We're going to do our part, but you've got to take the next step. At some point, you've got to take the next step. You're going to have to join a small group at some point, get into the equipped classes, find a team to get on, and start serving because one hour a week is just not enough. While we have our equipped classes as well, we're trying to get you equipped. We're here to equip the saints for the work of ministry. We're going to help you to find some freedom. It may be that I can't find my purpose because I don't have freedom in my life. We're going to help you with that. We're going to help you to really understand why you keep bumping up against the cross and you never can cross that chasm. All right? That's what we're here to do, October 3rd. Look for that.
But Psalms 119 talks about God's statutes, His law, His commandments, His precepts. These are all synonyms for God's Word. He begins to teach us about that. We discussed earlier in Luke 8 and Matthew 13 that Satan can steal the Word from your heart, right? That's absolutely shocking to us. But I'm going to show you how you can keep the Word in your heart. I don't want you to go home and then Satan steals the Word from your heart. You give your life to truly to Christ today. I want you to know how you can keep His Word in your heart. Psalms 119.11 says this, Your Word... I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is how you keep your word, His word in your heart. You start hiding it down in there. You start burying it down in your heart. You start getting into His word. You start meditating on His word. You start diving into His word and say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. Would you open my eyes so I may see the truth in your word? I need it. I need to bury this thing into my heart so Satan doesn't come and try to steal it out. Because when persecution comes, remember, they stumble. They fall. They sin against God. And Satan steals the truth from them. You better believe that persecution is out there. I don't know if you've read the news lately. But if you don't know who you are, and if you don't know whose you are, the persecution that's in this world is going to come and steal the very truth that you begin to lay hold of. And Satan is going to have his way, his little cohorts, are going to have their way in your life. And you're not going to know what to do because you haven't hidden His Word in your heart. So how do I hide His Word in my heart? You meditate and you memorize. You meditate and you memorize. Psalms 1-3 says this, Blessed is he, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, who stands not in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water, rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. Why am I not prospering? You might need to start not standing in the seat of scoffers, talking bad about other people, complaining about life, complaining about other people's stuff, complaining about things around you, nor standing in the path of sinners. I got to change a new people group. I got to get around some people that actually want to do life in a better way, want to live for Jesus. I need to get in a thrive tribe, a small group. I need to get on a team. I need to get away from these people who are dragging me down because I want to be prosperous. I I might ought to start meditating on the Word of God day and night. Joshua 1.8 also says, The book of the law, that's the Word, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all lordship, lordship, all that is, it, that is written in it. For then, we want this, but we don't want to do this. Lord, can I just have this? That's the promise. Well, here's the premise. This is our part, and He comes through on His part. I can look at my life in this area, and I can tell maybe I need to do this a little bit more. But I know if I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, (laughs) I can better believe there's going to be some blessings coming my way. And the cohort... The hordes of hell can't stop it because I'm doing this right here and I'm living it this way and God's promise is this right here. Your way will be prosperous and then you will have good success. Plain and simple. That's freedom right there. And you may be struggling in your walk, but Jesus says that His words are spirit and life. When you really receive His Word and believe it, you should feel like, oh my goodness, I feel so good. I feel so free. I feel so liberated. And if you'll get into His Word, you'll join a tribe, get on a team, you get around some people that are going the same direction and they're not scoffers and sinners and complainers and naggers and bringing you down. Whew. Revelation and life begins to change. You may have to let go of some of your ways 
to embrace His way. Where you, where, you, where you are greatly depends on what you believe. And where you're going greatly depends on what you're willing to let go of. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you because all of hell is going to try to steal this word from your heart today. And you came in here concerned about your kids. You came in here concerned about your marriage. You came in here concerned about your finances. You came in here because COVID-19 has you full of fear. Has your workplace full of fear. Satan is trying to shut you up with a mask. You came in here because life is tense right now. The world is chaotic. And you don't have the answer. But he does. So Father, I just pray for every one of these needs right now. Pray for your grace to illuminate in their heart the joy that you have set before them. And I pray that you help them to hold on to the truths of your word and that they bury it deep into their heart. Father, I ask that you empower them this week to move beyond the yesterdays out of fellowship and into relationship, to let go of some things. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's habits. Maybe it's thought life. To take every thought captive and bring it to the obedience of Christ, Lord. I pray that you empower them and strengthen them and that you give them truth and love and grace and that your mercies are new for them and that their seed, this seed, does not fall along the wayside. In Jesus' name I pray. I want to ask you one more thing to say this. Ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? And that's the best word you can get all day long. If you're here for the first time or you, I have not met you yet, I would love to. We're gonna, I'm going to be in our connect room right next door after worship. I'll be there. I'd love to meet you. love to say hello. If you have never been here before and you'd like to fill out a connect card, we'd love to reach out to you this week and just build relationship with you. That's what we're here to do. Strengthen relationship and change accounting. Thank you, guys. Let's stand up and let's worship one more time before we get out.